You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. Second Peter chapter 1. We began the book of Second Peter last week here at Calvary Chapel. If you're visiting, welcome. We studied the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse in an expository style and Last week, we began the study of the book of 2 Peter, and so if you were absent last week, you missed out, or perhaps you're just tuning in, then you want to go back online and and watch that study, catch up, because we laid a foundation for our study as we we began it, and we are continuing today, and we're going to continue in chapter 1 today and into next week as well. And if you are taking notes today, the title for this message is Growing in Faith, Part 2. Growing in Faith, Part 2, and as we introduced the book of Second Peter last week, we're going to continue to familiarize ourselves with the, the background and the theme so we don't forget it, and we learned and, and, and came, to, came to know and want to know that the author of First and Second Peter is Peter, the apostle of Jesus Christ, and he wrote this book to the growing, scattered, and persecuted church, and he wrote with the theme, the theme of being steadfast in Christ is really the overarching theme. That is, as we live in this world, this world that is fallen, this world that is at times hard, where we who follow Christ can and will experience suffering, well, he writes that we can be steadfast in Christ and live a life of suffering with hope, hope that we have in Jesus because Jesus is alive and he is our living hope as our Savior. We can follow him and know that we are in the right place. But as well, we know there are two other themes we're going to be drawing out of this study. That of being, of being steadfast in Christ, but also withstanding false doctrine. And especially as we get to chapter 2, this is going to show out. The reality that within the church, false doctrine has infiltrated. And, and there in Peter's day, as well as in ours, the church needs to be aware and, and discerning of false doctrine and false teachers. And needs to identify it and as well, not tolerate it. So withstanding false doctrine, and then lastly, we see the theme of living out or living in the promises of God. How we as the church have the opportunity, we saw last week and are going to continue to in this week and in subsequent weeks, to see that God has given the church great promises, that in a relationship with him, you have promises that are made to you. And as such, we are invited to take hold of those and to walk in light of them in our lives. And we will continue to remind ourselves of these things. But as we began the book of Second Peter last week, again, we were reintroduced to the author, who is Peter. And we began looking at how he opened up this second letter, this second letter of encouraging the church to live and to be steadfast in Christ. And he began by calling the church, you'll remember, to realize that in Jesus, with a knowledge and walking in a relationship and a relational knowledge with Christ, well, there's a couple things that the believer possesses. And the first thing that we saw, we find coming out of verse 3, that the believer in Jesus Christ, well, they possess all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's what we see. In verse 3, it says, His divine power, speaking of Jesus' divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. The believer has access to all things that we need to live and walk in this Christian life. As we know the Lord experientially and relationally, well, we are so equipped to live the way he has called us. And that's the first thing that we see. As the first thing we see, Peter, let the reader know that they have as they walk in faith in Jesus Christ. 
But Peter also showed us that we also have not just access to all things, but again, access to the promises that are given to us to hold on to and to live out our life with the Lord. That's what verse four speaks of, speaks of the promises that are given to us by God's glory and his virtue, which makes a big deal. It is a big deal that they are based on his glory and virtue because that means they will never fail. The promises of the Lord are true and are right and they will never fail. They will come to pass because they are based on God's unchanging character and nature. And Peter, he opens the letter with this, encouraging the reader to know these things and to live in accordance with these things so as to live life with the Lord as we move forward. And that helps us to be steadfast, helps us to see the other themes that we are called to pay attention to, helps us to live in this life as God is calling us. But as we mentioned last week, Peter in sharing and opening up with this encouraging word, he's really sharing with us a larger point as he opens up this book. As he's sharing, he wants the reader to understand that yes, we are called and we are able to be steadfast in Christ. We have access to all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have access and should take hold of the promises that we have. But also too, he makes this known to us, not just to know those as facts for our life, but also too, to know that a life that is lived with the Lord and a life that is lived steadfastly in the Lord, or better yet, a faith that is steadfast in the Lord, well, that is a faith that is growing. It is a faith that is growing. And that is really the crux and the point of this first chapter here, that as we walk with the Lord and take hold of all the things that the Lord gives to us to walk in, that we see our faith grow and our faith needs to grow. And that's what Peter is wanting to get across. And so Peter wants to start out this letter by sharing what it looks like for our faith to grow and why it's important for the believer to be diligent in seeing their faith grow. And that's exactly what we're going to see today. What we're going to see today as we continue in this two-part study is what it looks like for faith to grow practically in this world. So let's go ahead and dive in together now into the text we're going to read verses 5 through 7 to get us going today. And after that, we'll pray one more time. And then from there, we will move on. So 2 Peter chapter 1, you should be there in verse 5. It says, But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day. And Lord, I, I just praise you so much for this word, your word, God, that is before us. And I thank you that it is your word. I thank you, God, that you, in your kindness, have given us the Bible, Lord, so as to see you, so as to know you, and so as to know how to follow you in this world. And you're just so good and that you created us and you saved us, and now you call us, Lord, to walk with you. And Lord, I ask today that as we study your word, that you would help us. Lord, I ask that as we study your word, that you would give us understanding of the truths within it, as you promised to do through the Holy Spirit, helping us to understand and to be the helper here that we need. And so we ask today, God, that you would speak to us through your word, that the truths within it would be true to us. We would take them to heart. And God, as well, we would apply them to our lives. And God, we ask for this. And we ask for your help in this. And we ask for your help expectantly. Because God, I know you desire to help us. I know you desire to lead our lives. as what we see within the word today. You've given us all things that we need. And so, Lord, we ask today that you would help us to understand and help us to live this life out. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Well, having addressed the possession of faith and what faith possesses for the believer, the great access and promises of God, 
These are both provided for by the Lord, again, just by simply putting our faith in him. And as Peter now turns attention to the reader, what it looks like to grow, and as we're gonna see, as he says, to add to one's faith, well, we're gonna follow his train of thought and see exactly what it looks like to grow and to add to our faith. But before we do that, we need to clarify something. We need to clarify lest we be confused and think that Peter is saying something that he's not. You see, understand that that as Peter here speaks of growing in one's faith and of adding to one's faith these seven attributes that he's going to list out, we need to make sure that we don't get confused and think that Peter is is seeking to say that the believer works for their salvation or, or works to add to their salvation so as to make themselves more saved. Understand that Peter knows the same thing that Paul knew, that we can't work for our salvation that we cannot earn our salvation. In fact, he would be on the same wavelength of what Paul said in Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through nine, where Paul says there, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, we've discussed often and should discuss often that our salvation is by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that is the only way in which a person is saved. It is through the finished work of Christ on the cross of Calvary and his resurrection from the dead that solidifies our salvation being available. That is the only way in which a person is saved. And we need to know that that is the truth and also know that there is nothing that we can do to earn that salvation. We just believe. We just submit to that finished work of Jesus. And Peter here, as he calls for growth in that faith, and as he will say, add to our faith, Understand, he's not calling the believer or calling for a working for salvation or or a need to add to the work of salvation that Christ does in our lives. But rather, just as we have said, Peter is calling the believer to action. He's calling the believer to grow, you could say, to maturity within their relationship with the Lord. What Peter is exhorting here is not to work for salvation or work to make themselves more saved, but rather he's calling for the believer not to sit idly by and to respond instead to the access, to respond to the promises of God and the opportunity to partner with the Lord on mission. Peter here is not calling to work for one's salvation, but he's calling for growth. He's calling here for maturity to diligent and consistent growth in the relationship with the Lord, not for the sake of, again, being more saved, but for the sake of seeing the life that they live in Jesus be all that it can be. So Peter here, just so we're clear, is not trying to teach that salvation is by our working or our needing to grow, to remain saved, or to make the finished work of Christ something more than it already is. Because Christ, as he finished the work, the work was finished. As he solidified the work on the cross, he did everything. But rather, Peter is teaching that as we grow, as we strengthen that relationship, we are blessed and more ready to walk steadfastly with Christ. And so we need to make sure that that's what we know Peter is saying here and not get confused. So with that clarity made, let's look here at what Peter says about our faith growing diligently. And he does speak of diligence often. He speaks of diligence, in fact, just within the verses we're going to read today twice. And the emphasis is on the diligence. Understand that diligence, well, it matters. You know, as we just read there a moment ago, he says in verse five, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence add to your faith. And then he continues on. And I teach out of the New King James Version predominantly. I I like that version. I'm used to that version. And it says again, that we are to give all diligence. 
However, I do like other translations or versions of the Bible, and some of them, they, they make this a bit more clear or, or seek to put some more weight to it. Like the New Living Translation, the great thought-for-thought translation, it says, in view of all of this, like in view of the access we have, in view of the promises of God, he says, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Make every effort, do all that is within your ability to move forward. You know, another translation, the Wist translation, it says, and for this very cause, this is an old English translation. I really like it. It's fun. It's, it's sometimes confusing, but it's often a lot of fun. He says, and for this very cause, he says, having added on your part every intense effort, provide lavishly within your faith. I, I like those extra words in there. It makes it fun. And it's easy to see what the message of Peter, what he's trying to get across here. That as he exhorts the believer in Christ to to action and to growth, it's not to be something that is taken lightly or is to be acted upon slowly, but it's something that is to be taken seriously and is meant to have diligence attached to it. And you know, right off the bat, that's something that we need to hone in on today. The reality is that even before we get to the list that is before us, that our life, this life of faith and our growing in our relationship with the Lord, well, it should be something that we do diligently. And, you know, sadly, so many, even many of us, we can fall into the trap sometimes of thinking that once we're saved, that we're set. You know, that once we're saved, that we've punched our ticket to heaven, that we're just ready to go. And all we got to do is just sit by and, and wait for the Lord to bring us home. But that is the wrong idea. Because understand, the Christian of life is not to be one that is idle. We're not saved just to sit. No, we're saved to walk and to move with the Lord and serve and to glorify the Lord with our lives. And again, it's not our working that saves us. It's not our efforts that brings salvation. And we just saw that in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. You know, we just read that a few moments ago. But if you continue reading, well, what you see is that after the salvation, well, then there is action. Because in Ephesians 2.10, Paul continues on saying that we are his workmanship, the Lord's workmanship. And we are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we were created by the Lord. Each one of us were created by God. We were created with a plan and a purpose for our lives, which is an amazing thing to think about. It's amazing, especially because the world seeks to say that we happened by chance, that we're all just a product of chance and we're here for now, but when we're gone, we're just gone. But the reality is we have a God in heaven who loves us and created us each individually with purpose and we are valued by the Lord. That's what we see here in Ephesians 2.10, that we are the Lord's workmanship and we are created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Not that we should sit and just kind of hang out, but we were created for good works. God has a life and a plan prepared for our lives to live out with him. And so we should walk in the good that he has for us. We should see our relationship with the Lord as something that is an an opportunity to work and to walk with him, not just to sit and wait for heaven. And Paul, as he speaks of us and speaks of our relationship with the Lord as being that which is moving, not sedentary, not idle, well, Paul also speaks to the idea of diligence within the life of the believer. A couple of verses come to mind. You can jot down Ephesians 5, verse 15 through 17. As Paul there says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. 
And he says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. As, as Paul in the book of Ephesians, which we're going to study sometime probably in the near future, we see that he establishes what the relationship of the Lord with the Lord and the believer looks like and how it comes about. But then he also shows what it should look like, how it's fleshed out in the life of the believer. And he, he likens it a lot to walk, to a walking and a walking with the Lord. And as such, the believer is called not to sit idly by, but to walk and to walk circumspectly, to walk as one who is on purpose, on mission, not as fools, but as wise who are redeeming the time, who are making the most of our time, who are not sitting idly by and wasting the time, but who are walking and redeeming the time because the days, they are evil, which of course we can see. Also too, I like 2 Timothy 2.22, where Paul there writing to young pastor Timothy, he says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure hearts. You know, Paul hears he's speaking to Timothy and speaking of him pastoring and teaching and raising up within the church there in Ephesus that he was, that he was pastoring at. He speaks to him of this, of this language of moving forward to the Lord. And notice the language. It's that of fleeing youthful lust, of moving away from the old life and then pursuing a new life in Christ. And that idea of pursuing, well, it gives diligence to, to, to the verse. It brings about this idea of diligence, of purpose, of fervency, of moving forward and pursuing, continuing to move forward with purpose, pursuing righteousness, faith, love, peace with those. He wraps in the whole of the church that is to be a community mindset, that within the church, the church is to be ones who are pursuing, who are going forward with the Lord's. And there are others throughout all of the word of God that all points to the believer in Christ's life to be one that is moving, that is growing, that is serving and doing so diligently. That is moving forward, not sitting idly, but of moving with the Lord. And that's how our relationship with Jesus is supposed to be. It is supposed to be one that is meant to be active, not passive, but one that is growing one that is daily and diligently seeking out the Lord as we serve him. And this plays out practically for each one of us. Every single one of us, as we are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you have a relationship with him, then you are called not to sit and wait for heaven, but to walk forward with the Lord, to serve him and seek him and to do so diligently so as to grow and mature in a relationship with him. And this is for all of us, friends, that when we wake up in the morning, that we are diligent to seek him. And I know that we can be diligent about a lot of things in the morning. For some, like myself, it's coffee, first thing. For others, it's Facebook and Fox News or Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat. But instead of those things, what we should see as the greatest priority is the word of God and seeking him in the word and seeing what the Lord has to say for our lives. As we wake up in the morning, we don't grab our phone first. You can tap it to turn the alarm off because no one owns an alarm clock anymore. And then we go and we grab our Bible and we say, Lord, what do you have for me? Lord, what do you have for me today? What can I learn? How do you want me to walk in this world today, serving you, walking circumspectly, not as a fool, but as wise? How can I redeem the time today? How can I serve you and pursue you today? That is what we should be about as believers in Christ. There should be a diligence about our lives, a diligence in seeking out the Lord and what he has for us. And that is for us all. And with that established, as, as Peter sets the tone here, that diligence is needed within the growth and the maturity of the believer. Well, next what he does is he shows us the areas that growth is to be shown in. And I love what he does. He's very specific in these various area, areas that we're to grow in. These attributes of faith, he lets us know that they exist. 
And there are seven of them in total, seven specific things that Peter calls for the reader to add to their faith, to grow in their faith. They're gonna be on the screen as we move through them, but he lists out their virtue. And then knowledge, after that self-control and perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. And you know, these seven attributes, these seven attributes of faith that we're to grow in and add to our faith, as Peter's going to outline in a moment, they're amazing things to see. And what's amazing about them is not only that they are there, they exist, and so they are there for us to take a hold of, but it's that the Lord, well, he provides them and aids us in taking a hold of them. You see, if we believe the truth of what verse three says, that God by his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, well, then these things that the word of God says we are to add to our faith, that we are to add to our lives, if God has given us access to all things that pertain to life and godliness, well, these things are not just there for us to look to and to seek to add to our faith, but they're also available through the Lord's. And that's something we should never forget. Verse three is a great verse as we're studying the book of 2 Peter, or just as you're following the Lord, it's a great verse to memorize and to never take for granted, knowing that God has given us everything we need to follow him. That God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All that we need to serve the Lord in him and through the knowledge of him as we learn him, he has given to us so that we can take a hold of them and walk forward with him. That's a great thing to remember. And so if God is helping us out, then what do these seven attributes of our faith, what do they look like? You know, what do they look like? How do we define them so that we can apply them? I know that you're asking that question. I'm happy to answer that question. And we look here at the first, as we bullet point these out, we look here at the first one that he says to add to your faith, virtue. And if you were with us last week, you'll remember that we defined virtue in line with the Lord. As we define God's virtue, we define it as his unchanging goodness. You could say even his holiness, And with that idea established in our mind, well, so too is that what the believer is to be growing in. We are to be growing in virtue is altogether the goodness of the Lord, the holiness of the Lord that we are to seek to grow in. You know, this is not unlike what Peter said back in 1 Peter chapter 2. You'll remember there, he introduced himself there in 1 Peter 1, and he established dominantly the reality that we have hope in Jesus Christ. Like the hope of Jesus dominated all of the first chapter. And then in chapter two, he opens up by telling us, hey, here is what you do in light of that. Here's how you live. You prepare your mind for action. You walk sober-mindedly. And then he called the believer to be holy as the Lord is holy. To walk in a way that is set apart, that is distinct, that is different from the world around. And here he continues in that same vein. That as you're walking in a relationship with Jesus, well, so too should you seek to mirror and add to your life the life and the lifestyle, the walking, the holiness of Jesus Christ, to take a hold of it, to walk holy as the Lord is holy, to be distinct, to be different, and to be virtuous as the Lord shows himself. And that is the call of every believer. The call of every believer is to add to their faith virtue, to seek to walk in the holiness of God as we see represented within his word, which leads nicely into the next attribute we're to add to our life, and that is knowledge. Notice that we add to virtue, that we are to add knowledge. As we grow, in, as, if we are to grow in the goodness, if we're to grow in the holiness of the Lord, well, it would make sense that we would know more about the Lord and that we would know the Lord. So we to add to our faith as we seek to grow in our relationship with the Lord and seek to partner with him on mission in this world. We are to be holy as he is holy, but to know what that looks like, we need to know him. 
And the best place I know to know that to know that is his word. His word and time spent with him in his word. Time spent prayerfully with him in his word. Meaning that we don't just read it to check the box or to intellectually know it, but we read it relationally. We read the word of God, realizing that God who who writes his word to us, that he wants to speak to us and lead our lives in a relational way. It's not a textbook, but it's a book for our life with truth for our life. And so if we want to know how to live for the Lord and know the Lord, well, we need to seek the Lord and add to our faith knowledge, which leads nicely, and these all lead nicely well into each other. They stair step and build upon one another. We see that as we learn more about the Lord, well, we should start acting in accordance with the goodness of the Lord as we're learning and growing in him. And that should impact the way we live, which is why Peter says next, we should add to our faith self-control. You see, as we live with the Lord, walking forward in this new life, well, our lives should look a whole lot different than the old life we lived before Jesus. Our life should be one that is lived not impulsively or led by the flesh or controlled every waking moment by the, the desire to sin and giving into that, but, one, but a life that is self-controlled, a life that is lived in light of the truth of God's goodness and the truth of how the Lord calls us to live by his word. That's what we're called to, friends, to live self-controlled. And on top of that self-control, Peter then next says we need to grow perseverance. And this is a big one because what this does is it starts to really put into mind that this is a lifestyle because perseverance, I I equate perseverance and you may as well to to different things. I equate it to running or cycling or some type of athletic thing that that goes far, that goes like far away. And, And you know, with perseverance, You have to build that and you have to realize that if you're gonna run far, if you're gonna ride far, or even if you're gonna drive in a a car with kids far, like you have to have perseverance in mind. You have to be ready for the long game. You have to be ready for the road ahead. And it's the same thing with our relationship with Jesus. The same mindset needs to be very prevalent in our mind that as we walk and seek to grow in virtue, seek to grow in the holiness of the Lord, seek to grow in our knowledge of the Lord and seek to operate showing self-control in our relationship as we live in this world, well, we need to be ready to do that for the long haul. Perseverance is something we are called to. Perseverance is something that is meaning so much more in the day and age that we live in, in fact, especially as the day and age we live in is growing ever against the Lord and ever against his word. Perseverance for the believer is paramount. And so we are to add that. And to this, we add godliness. And godliness, you may think, okay, well, that's a lot like virtue. You know, if I'm to be holy like the Lord is holy, well, then I, it's the same thing. But really what you can encapsulate godliness into is submission. Submission to the Lord, a lifestyle that is submitted to the Lord. And there's no better example of this than in Jesus Christ, who as we know and we follow him and we follow and read in his word and learn about him, well, we learn that Jesus, he was submitted. He was submitted to the will of the Father above all, the mission of God to save the worlds. Well, Jesus exemplified that. And true godliness, well, that is what that is. It is our submission to the Lord, a life submitted to him, submitted to diligently learning him and living in self-control of our actions and our flesh, seeking to walk in the knowledge of the Lord and in his goodness. And so we see these things, we see virtue, we see their knowledge and self-control, perseverance, and then godliness. And all of these things, if you notice, they're vertical in relationship. Like these first five things, they're all vertical in relationship as they are directly dealing with our relationship and the Lord's. But then after that, we go horizontal. Whereas we grow in our faith, we add next brotherly kindness. And this makes sense 
That as we grow in, in these areas and we grow in our relationship with the Lord, that the next place that we go naturally is within our relationship with one another. We grow in our relationship with one another and in living with one another and so seeing how we can serve one another, how we can operate in a way of serving. And it starts, as he says, with brotherly kindness with brothers and sisters in Christ. It starts first with those who are like-minded and are in a like relationship with Jesus, meaning that as our faith grows, we as the church should want to serve the church. We as the church should want to show this brotherly kindness, this brotherly love, this brotherly preference to one another. And it does start here, which is great because that should be the easiest thing for us, right? Like it should be the easiest thing for the church to serve the church. It's not because the church is made up of people and people, they stink sometimes. But, but the, the reality is that we are called first to serve one another. And as we grow in our faith, that should be a natural outflow. As we grow in the goodness of God and the knowledge of God, we learn that he wants us to serve. We learn in our self-control that we control, you know, our mouths and our actions and our different things around other people within the body of Christ so that we grow and don't just waste time together or offend one another, but we grow together in the knowledge of God. We grow so that we may together pursue, as Paul said, we may walk circumspectly as Paul exhorted. We may walk and live in this world and the natural outflow of growing in faith is that we would serve the Lord and serve one another. And from there, the, another, the natural outflow of that would just be eventually love for everyone. And that's a natural outflow of just a relationship with Jesus, period. But it should definitely show out as we are walking with the Lord and we are seeking to grow in our faith and our knowledge with the Lord, there should be this natural love that Christ has shown to us that we show to the world around us, no matter who they are, or what they believe, we would love as Jesus loves, desiring to see them come into a relationship, the knowledge of Jesus Christ and how much he loves them. And again, you notice that these stair step on top of one another, indicating that as we, as we grow in the Lord, that our, our faith just continues to support its, itself. And it's an amazing thing that we see. And this, this growth, understand, well, it's the call for everyone. It is the call for all of the church, these attributes that are all represented perfectly in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Well, for us who follow Christ, they're meant to be seen. They're meant to be something, again, that we diligently grow in, that we diligently pursue and diligently seek to add to our life. The follow of Christ is not, again, saved to sit, but we're saved to grow and to serve the Lord and apply these things to our lives daily. And it warrants the question for all of us to ask today, as we see these things, to ask, you know, am I, and you say, am I to yourself, I'll say it to myself, because we all need to say this, am I growing? Am I adding these things to my faith, or am I stagnant at the moment? Am I growing, or am I stagnant? And of course, there is a, there is a, there is a good answer to that, and a bad answer to that. The good, of course, is yes, I'm growing. And if that's you today, praise the Lord. If that's you today, then praise the Lord. The exhortation from the word of God is continued perseverance, is continued walking with the Lord and continue growing diligently and disciplined, pouring into daily your relationship with God and not grow weary in well-doing as Paul exhorts there in Galatians 6. But of course, if the answer is no, I, I'm not growing. No, I'm not doing anything to add to my faith. I'm not doing anything to grow in my relationship with the Lord. Well, then there's work to do. And we can all be in that place. We can all be in a place of, of stagnation 
Letting sin get in the way. Letting distractions of this world get in the way. Cares of this world get in the way. We can so easily do that. Again, just like with persevering to run far or ride far or to lift heavy, there are some days you don't want to do it. There are some days the alarm goes off and you're like, no, not, no, not today. Not doing it. I'm not getting out of, the, out of bed to go outside into the dark and run in the dark. I'm not going to do that today. No, I'm not going to go and get in my car and drive across town to the gym before the sun comes up and everyone else is on the road. Not doing it today. There are times where we do that. And with our relationship with the Lord, it can be the same way. It can be the same way. But yet every single day, we are to wake up and say, Lord, what do you have for me? How can I grow in you? What do you have for my life? How do you want to lead? And Peter, who is such a good pastor, again, so good. He, he doesn't just tell us to do these things, to, to grow just for the sake of, of telling us to grow. No, what he does is he gives us reasons as to why it matters. He shows us here that we are to grow, and then he tells us why it matters. Why do you get up early to pour into your relationship? Why do you make it a point to hold in self-control and to persevere in this life? Well, verse 8 through 11, it helps us with that. Pick up with me there where he says, for if these things are yours and they abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. So therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, Peter here, he goes about showing why growing faith matters, giving us some, if you'll notice, contrast there to observe. He says there in verse eight that if we grow, growing in these attributes and abound in them, which is very important, they would abound, that they would be noticeable, then we will not be unfruitful or barren, he says, in the knowledge of Jesus. And that knowledge spoken of here, again, is, is that relational knowledge, that experiential, relational, intimate knowledge that we have with him. Meaning that as we grow in our faith, it matters because as we grow, our relationship with Jesus will be what it needs to be. It'll be fruitful, it'll be growing, and it will, as he says there, show to those that are around us. It'll show to those that are around us and it will even show to ourselves as we grow in faith. And both of those things are amazing. It's amazing to know that, that as you live a life of faith and look to live diligently in your faith, that, that there's a certain amount of effort that we, that we as humans can put into anything that, that, that goes away. And here's what I mean. It is not our working that saves us nor is it our, our overly just working and seeking to show our effort to show out to people around us that, that's gonna let them know that you're saved. But it is our, our growing in the Lord, our diligent, persevering faith that is growing all the more as you are growing in your faith. If these attributes are added to your life, then people are gonna notice. People are gonna notice, and here's why. You're gonna look different. You're gonna look different than the people around you and you're not gonna to have to run up to them and be like, guess what? I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. You need him too. Cause they're gonna be like, okay, <laughs> tune it down, bro. But they're gonna see a life that is lived differently, that is growing further from the old life and into the new life and say, what's different about you? And you can say, well, Jesus, who is my living hope, saved me. And, and as that relationship has grown, I'm growing in that relationship, adding to my faith, all of these things, the word of God in my knowledge and growing in the Lord have shown me. And that's why my life's different. And they might still think, whoa, but your faith is shown. 
Your relationship with the Lord has produced this fruit that people notice and see. And that, my friends, is exactly what we're called to. We're called in this life to live for the Lord and to let that life show. And as you do these things, that life will show even without you trying. That life will show to those around you even without you having to say anything to them. That's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing to just be growing in our relationship with the Lord and to allow that to just show out just by default. And it's amazing for the showing to other people, but it's also amazing for ourselves as well. Because I, I know, you know, for myself, my testimony, my living for the Lord or, or not living for the Lord and now living for the Lord, my life looks a lot different. My life looks a lot different and it feels a lot better. And I'm very thankful for that. And something I love about that testimony is that I can look years in the past and say, man, that was a rough version of Justin and see that years now, years up to now, hey, you know what? Justin's a little bit better now. And it's not because of Justin, it's because of Jesus. It's because of Jesus and the work that he has done within me as I've sought to pour into that relationship and allow the Lord to grow me. Well, what I can see is this progression from old to new, which is an amazing thing to see. Again, going back to the idea of the gym, you know, if you work out, you like to see results, right? Like if you run, you want to get faster. If you, if you lift, you want to lift heavier. If you do sit-ups, you want to see results. And so like you go and you do a sit-up and then you immediately go to the mirror and you're like, all right, what happened? And of course, nothing happened. You did one sit-up. But you go and you do 10 more and then you run back. You're like, what happened? You're like, oh, I'm a little bit more sweaty now. So, okay. But, but if you do that for a few months, if you persevere within that and allow the process to take place, well, then you start to see the results and you're like, okay, this is cool. And you go show your wife, you're all excited. And she's like, you don't look any different. And you go back and do more sit-ups. And that's just how, how the cycle goes. But as you pour into your relationship with the Lord, as you continue to do so, as you continue to do so, you can look back at your life and see, okay, I was here, but the Lord has brought me here. I was here doing this, but the Lord has brought me here. And now look what I get to do. But the thing about it is, is if you're idle, if we're stagnant, if we don't put in and allow the Lord to grow us, then you don't get to see that. You don't get to see that. And that, that of course, brings the contrast here of what we see that Peter says that if, if that growth is absent, well, then he speaks of another scenario. Say that if one lacks these things, if they lack growth, then that person is short-sighted and blind. And he says that he forgets or she forgets that they were cleansed from old sins. Showing here that a faith that is not active, a faith that is idle, that is stagnant, that isn't moving, that's just sitting and waiting for heaven. Yeah, it's salvation. Like I believe fully, if you call upon the name of the Lord to save you, he will save you. That's what the Bible shows us. But your life is not, is not all that God has created you to be as you just sit there and wait for heaven saying, I punched my ticket, I'm ready to go. No, your life is one that's, that's lived just kind of there. Not all that God intended for it to be. And it's also not one that is growing further away from the old life. You know, as we sit idle and don't seek to grow in the Lord, we'll grow in something. And perhaps it's just continual habitual sin uh, that we did before we knew that God loved us and wanted to save us. And that's not a life that God intended for us. That's not a life that he saved us into. He saved us into growth. And a faith that is not growing does not see the grace of God fully. It doesn't see all that God has done and all that he wants to do through them. A faith that is not growing is blind, is what Peter says, and doesn't see the things that God has given them to walk in and to live in this world in. All the things, again, as verse three says, that pertain to life and godliness. We're short-sighted and blind. We don't take a hold of those things because we're not paying attention. 
And the contrast is clear. If you're growing, Peter says there's fruit, there's life. If you're not growing, then there's not fruit. There's no life. There's blindness and stagnation. And I love what Peter does here. What does he do? He calls the believer. He addresses, and once again, to diligence being applied to our lives. And then he says, therefore, brethren, bringing up diligence again, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. The believer is called to diligence. And that diligent work, he says there, wrapping it all up there in verse 11, he says, in a faith that doesn't stumble, that keeps the course of this life and the end of eternity with Jesus in mind, growing and moving, well, that is a faith that will move through this world and into the kingdom of Jesus, as verse 11 says, victoriously. And again, this isn't Peter here saying that if you don't add to your faith these things, that you're not going to heaven. If you're a believer in Christ today, you're going to heaven. That's a reality. But there's a difference. There's a difference in living for the kingdom of God now and just waiting to be a part of it one day. There's a difference in living and looking forward and living in light of the mission that God has called us to and just saying, okay, the Lord's got me. He loves me. Praise the Lord. I don't go to hell, so I'll see him when I get there. There is a difference, friends. And that difference, it, it presents to us a choice a choice that each one of us have today to make, to see whether or not we are going to walk in a life that is growing in our faith or that is gonna be stagnant and idle. A life that is going to be diligent and seeking diligently the Lord and what he has for us daily. Or a life that says, ah, I'm okay with where I'm at. And again, the choice that we have, the choices that are presented, there, there is a better option. It's not hard to see the better option. The better option, of course, is to say, Lord, I know that you love me. I know that you desire me and you want this relationship with me, which is amazing. Again, the God of the universe who made everything desires a relationship with us. He doesn't have to offer that. We don't deserve it, but he offers it all the same. And to say, okay, you've given it to me and you want to show me more and have this relationship lived out and to say no to that, that is, that is the wrong decision. And so today, there's one of two camps you find yourself in. Perhaps today, again, you're growing in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Keep going. Persevere. Allow the Lord to continue to embolden you and give you just a desire for his word and a desire for the relationship that he offers. Continue to walk in that. Let him show you what he has for you. And know that you're not alone. Know that God in his word has shown us that we are not alone. Jesus is with us, which should mean the most for any of us. But again, he's given us one another, the body of Christ, to spur one another on, to encourage one another. That's an amazing blessing. If you're going for it, if you're growing, keep going. If you're not, then perhaps ask yourself why today. Do you desire to grow? Because if you don't even have that desire, that's an issue. But it's also an issue that the Lord, well, he can help you with. You know, as we're reading the one-year Bible as a church right now, we're about to finish the book of Acts. And if you notice through the book of Acts, as the church gets its start, something about the church there in the early days is they, they, they desired the Lord a lot and they desired the Lord to meet them and to give them. And they desired things like boldness and his, his presence and his direction and his provision. They desired all of these things. And when they d- desired those things, when they realized they needed those things, they asked the Lord for them. And something about the Lord there in the book of Acts is that every time his people asked for his direction, for his leading, for the Holy Spirit, for his provision, he delivered, he met them, he spoke to them, he directed them, he was there for them. And it's the same thing for us. 
If you here today are a believer in Jesus Christ and you desire the, the Lord, or maybe you don't desire the Lord and to grow in a relationship, but you say today, if I want that, well, then ask the Lord for that. Ask the Lord for a desire to seek him. Ask for the Lord for a desire and a zeal to grow in him. Ask the Lord for the diligence to be able to get up 30 minutes earlier so you can read your Bible before you get ready for the day. Ask the Lord for direction and know that the Lord is faithful. Know that the Lord, as we see within the word of God, is gonna be faithful today because we're the same, part, we're the same church and he's the same God. Today, if you don't desire to grow, ask the Lord why. Ask the Lord to give you that desire. Perhaps there's sin in the way that needs to be revealed and dealt with. If it is, deal with it and let the Lord deal with it with you and lead you out of it and into a further, more fervent relationship with him. Because again, as we're called to this, the Lord wants to lead us. And the Lord wants to lead us in a life that serves him and shows him to the world around us. And I pray that we as a church, individually as part of the church and then corporately as a church body, that we would desire this. That we would desire for our relationship with the Lord to grow into everything that he wants it to be, that the word of God calls it to be. And we do so diligently. So whatever camp you fall in today, be honest with yourself. Allow the Lord to speak to you, be honest with you. And as he speaks and as you have it revealed to you, act and let's grow together. Let's pray.